0: You're listening to the Children's Book Marketing Podcast, the podcast that teaches self-published children's book authors how to use branding to connect with readers, leverage content to sell more books, and grow a business that goes beyond the book. Being a children's book author means you found a unique way to deliver messages with words and illustrations. But to thrive as an independent publisher, you'll need to master the art of attracting and engaging with readers so that you can sell more books. Join me to learn proven marketing strategies that can be implemented without hassle or complexity to take your publishing endeavors to new heights. I'm your host, Michaela Simone Ben, Mompreneur Marketing Maven, fellow self-published children's book author and content creator. Are you ready to define success on your own terms? Then let's get to it. Hello, hello. Michaela, host of the Children's Book Marketing Podcast. Welcome to season one, episode three. Today I'm going to share how this podcast came into existence. It's an inspiring story, actually, and I will tell you most of what you need to know to understand what happened in order for me to arrive at this point. I'll start by telling you why I chose to start a podcast at the height of a global pandemic. I'll explain how a worldwide social unrest motivated me to become an advocate for improving diversity in children's books, and I'll also discuss how a life-changing conversation with the self-published author significantly changed my purpose, both personally and professionally. So before we get started, I'd like to reiterate who this podcast is for and explain why I created it in case you weren't sure whether you're even in the right place. If you're an author that has chosen not to go the traditional route to publish a children's book, then that means you're an independent creator and you are granted the freedom and the flexibility to market your books the best way you know how. You, my friend, are my people. I'm right there with you along this self-publishing journey in all aspects of it because I am in the process of self-publishing a children's book series. Everything from editing and illustration all the way to book launch is what I've been dealing with every day for the past few weeks. And of course, those cover a few of the topics that intertwine with marketing, which we'll explore over time. But in a future episode, I will share the behind the scenes of how things are going with my picture book creation and the launch, which is scheduled for release this fall. So back to why I created the podcast. I created the podcast because marketing is my area of expertise, thanks to a 16-year career in corporate marketing, working for nearly a half a dozen Fortune 200 companies in almost every facet of marketing from research and analysis to product management. Add to that three years of full-time entrepreneurship, which I refer to as mompreneurship, and I'm just shy of two decades with 10 toes down in marketing across a diverse array of industries. You may be curious, since I mentioned it, to know Just what some of these companies were and what I did. Well, I'll just give you a brief overview and say that most of them have products that are commonly used in your household or in the businesses that you frequent on a regular basis. Some of the industries that I sharpened my skills in, at least the ones where I had the most fun, are digital print and paper, which was heavy on graphics and print equipment, which is obviously essential to book publishing. Another is telecom, where a fast paced approach to visual content rules the day, but so do licensing partnerships and outsourced services. It's also very heavy on promotions and competition, so, in all of the industries that I've worked, I'd have to say that telecom was probably the fastest changing and the most exciting. Then there's the industry where I took my final bow in corporate on June 1st, 2018. And that was in a company that was in shipping and distribution across the supply chain. Basically, that's an industry where there's low margin on high-turn goods that were used as warehouse staples. And since my graduate studies focused on marketing as well as supply chain management, it doesn't seem like the strangest thing in the world to have somebody who's a product manager on the marketing team working for a supply chain company. Doesn't sound at glance like the sexiest industry I know, but I enjoyed managing products that are essential to the way goods move around the country. So you sprinkle in a few consumer goods giants that I worked for earlier in my career, and I'm a whole walking encyclopedia of marketing strategy just waiting to unload. Now, I mention these because I'll draw from experiences that I had within each of these industries, and though some may not seem related to what I do now as a self-published author and owner of a content strategy agency, trust me. They all work together to shape a perspective on how to approach children's book marketing that's not typical, it's not traditional, and it certainly cannot easily be replicated. We all have our story, of course, with interesting twists and turns on how we got to where we are, and I'd love to hear about yours. So if you want to share it with me, send it to me in an email, and I really want to know what you were doing before you became a children's book author and why you decided to write a children's book in the first place. So in addition to doing what I do professionally, I'm also a toddler mom. Boy mom, he's three, and he's very, very, very busy. Now, because I've lived with board books and picture books for the last three years, and we're also homeschooling, I can objectively identify where we need help. By we, I mean indie authors who have meaningful stories to tell about culture, history, and perspectives that don't often make it into the mainstream media. Just because they aren't prominently featured in mainstream, however, doesn't mean that they shouldn't be. These are stories that you and I write for all children and all families with impressionable young minds deserve to be exposed to people from backgrounds unlike their own so my firm belief is that exposure promotes understanding and understanding gives space for empathy to exist to me empathy is at the foundation of unity and tolerance of beliefs and constructs have a place in this decade however ignorance and fear of the unknown do not. In the 2008 presidential campaign, there was a commercial that stands out to me as something that I hear echoing in my mind. And the commercial was released by the campaign for Hillary Clinton, where there was a male voice that was the narrator for a scene that took the camera from the front lawn of the White House into a room and it was a bedroom late at night. And the narrator says, in so many words, when the phone rings at 3 a.m., who do you want to be on the other side of the phone that picks it up? And he's basically trying to sound all grave and all serious. And the premise is that you want someone in the White House that will answer when a call about something requires immediate attention. Now, I remember that commercial extremely well, because I am a commercial junkie. And when it aired, I lived in St. Louis, Missouri, and both of the candidates that were in the running at that time for Democratic side and Republican side had yet to be determined. And so nobody's name had yet been inked on the ballot, but it's not because I'm a political historian that I remember that commercial. It's actually something that's been a fascination of mine, commercials in general, since I was a sophomore in undergrad at The Ohio State University. Well, this commercial stuck with me as so many others seem to do, and this summer, I felt like a call to action was being placed on me. Heck, probably other parents felt the same way, and whether or not we answered was the question. The politically charged events of the summer are what sparked it for me. There was so much activism behind the injustices and protests that were erupting all over the world made it clear to me that change was inevitable and it was necessary. The fierce urgency of now is what led me to find a way to contribute to the movement to address what ultimately someday be the elimination of systemic racism. But until that happens, we've got this movement underway. And it's not limited to a few people who are on the front lines. It's led by people who are walking in all ethnicities, all over the spectrum of color and class. And since we're all impacted in some way, we all need to work together because we all have something that we can do to make things better. Well, in the book publishing arena, I found that there are a small army of creatives that are committed to addressing the lack of representation in children's books by characters that are not animals and that are not Caucasians. Because this heightened sense of awareness behind this, the disparities of most aspects of life from banking to healthcare and how it affects minorities, it's front and center. And it's also front and center in guess what else? Children's book publishing. The disparities in children's book publishing have been brought to the forefront by a number of studies over the years. But one study published in particular by Lee and Lowe Books is what I got my hands on when this first all was kind of just laid at my my feet. And I may cite it from time to time, but not to create a complaint forum or to perpetuate hate. If I cite anything from any academic paper or an article that's been published around diversity in children's books, it's so that I can highlight the distinctions from the perspective of the experts who have done the research and who are in some ways, invested in creating the awareness so that these biases can be reduced. Now, as a parent, when I'd shop in stores and online for books for the little guy, I couldn't help but notice that there's an awful lot of books to choose from, yet a few characters resemble my son. They exist, these books that have people who look like him and people who look like his mom and dad, but existing is not enough. They need to be easier to find. They need to be greater in number and more varied in content and produced with the high quality in mind that makes people feel confident that these books have been professionally and thoughtfully crafted. And so during the pandemic, when we were kind of at that first couple of months in stage, I became one of those advocates for social change. I'm now a parent who joins teachers and librarians and activists and educational administrators and carrying out the call to action to increase the diversity of stories and illustrations in children's books. And it's not just because I decided to write one. It's because I have a stake in the world that my son grows up in. And I want him, as well as his peers who look like him and people who don't look like him, to understand that our cultural differences are to be celebrated. This past July is when I recognized that I could make a difference. And if you're compelled to do the same, I assure you that you can make a difference too. So I pivoted into something during a pandemic. And a lot of what brought that about let me know that the diversity in children's books requires a contribution from me that is twofold. Initially, I decided to write a book series and feature an adorable character as well as his family use all of what's in my marketing arsenal to get the book into households that don't see enough characters and stories that look like the ones that I plan to tell. And that would be the start of a platform for said new contribution to the mission, the movement, the change. But to bring it all to life, I also had in mind educational merchandise and events that would go forth to take Readers beyond the book, and to reach families and my joy and my fulfillment would exist with this renewed sense of purpose, and I was just over the moon overjoyed about it. Could not contain the excitement. Sounds good, right? Well, it was, but that couldn't be the end of it, especially not after the murders of George Floyd, Brianna Taylor and Rashard Brooks. So here's how it all started to take shape. About two weeks after the murder of George Floyd, I was on a group conference call with about 25 members of my graduating class. We were scheduled to meet for a discussion prior to when the protests all unfolded as a result, of course, of the uprising in the frame of social injustice. But when we all came together to talk about what became the current events, we had a lot of emotions to unpack. And by the end of the discussion, many of us had proposed actions that we could take into our own communities, our own households to bring equality to the forefront and to combat racist behaviors that we might see that are known or unknown by the people who are responsible for them. By the time the call ended, I found myself confronting how I could do even more than I proposed when we each shared our commitments in our group. And so the group has a private Facebook group, Shaker Heights High School, class of 1998. And it started to really spark some interest by not only our class, but other classes. And it was starting to lead to a lot of things that might be referred to by the late, great civil rights activist, Congressman John Lewis, who had a seat in the U.S. Congress here from the state of Georgia. Well, he referred to the kind of things that we were starting to talk about as getting into good trouble. And my heart was really heavy about the possibilities of whatever that meant. So I pledged to do my part whatever way I could to have the greatest impact. And two days after the chat with the group, I sat down to write my first children's book as a way of what I thought was meeting the call to action. And it came to me effortlessly. It just flowed. And after about 45 minutes, I had an entire framework for a five book series, a marketing plan behind it, and all the merchandising and the experiential that would help to bring it into more households. But then the next day, I reached out to a friend who had self-published a children's book the year before because I really wasn't sure what to do with all that. I had a manuscript that needed to get edited and I had all the marketing pieces starting to take form, but I needed to know what else to do. And so my friend and I spoke, which took place about three days after I wrote the manuscript. This conversation turned out to be life changing. However, when we first got on the phone, it didn't necessarily seem that way. We were able to help each other out in ways that neither of us expected. So here it was. I called her to get insights on the journey that she had taken to become a self-published children's book author and in the midst of that she told me that she was going to release another book soon so I instinctively started offering suggestions on how she could use marketing to strategically reach more readers because that's my thing that's what I do and after a day or so goes by she texts me and she's like hey Can you manage the marketing strategy for my next book release? Which is also scheduled for release this fall. And after thinking about it for two weeks, I responded to her with a firm yes, but it took for me to figure out where I could create space in my life to take on anything else. And of course I agreed to help her, but it wasn't until I realized that I needed to do more than create space to help my friend. I needed to create space to help more people like my friend, more independent, self-published authors. This is where I got the idea to launch the content creation agency that's exclusively for children's book authors. To me, the greatest impact I can have assisting with the diversity in children's book publishing is through content and marketing and Writing a book is great, but it went a step further. And so you're listening to this podcast right now because that's, for me, the best mode of communication to share a lot of what would essentially be a brain dump for a marketing professional. If you open up my head and you say, Michaela, can you tell me about X, Y, or Z related to marketing? I can do that, but the best way for me to do that is through a podcast. I truly hope this gives you a clear picture about my why and what's fueling my passion for children's books. My objective in sharing all this deeply personal stuff about my journey is to encourage you and let you know that this pandemic is taking a lot of things away from us, but it's also resulting in some pretty profound changes that are long overdue. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider showing your support for the podcast by joining me on Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it possible for creators like me to get support for their work. And when you join, that makes it possible for the Children's Book Marketing Podcast to cover costs on things like editing and production. You can find the show at our home on Patreon, just is at www.patreon.com slash mckellasbin. And if you haven't already connected with me on Instagram, please make sure you do that. I will follow you back and I'll also make sure that you are receiving the latest updates and insight about when podcast episodes release if you subscribe to the podcast. So do that if you haven't already.